disgusting bitches and <laughs> it's like all about being over the hump but it still isn't fry and fry is not even a word we're comfortable using because you know we're just that much older and also wiser as you will find out and we're also not comfortable with everything online like discussing big important issues in 280 character bites online Oh my god no shit. Hi, I'm Purnima. I make documentary films that no one watches. I'm also a library activist who believes that India needs a free library revolution. It's time. And I'm a grown adult who spends way too much time on Twitter. And I'm Janisya and I'm a writer with three children and I'm so used to not being listened to that even my inner dialogue is just two voices that's just talking at cross purposes also exactly like Twitter. you'll find the twitter comes up a lot because we don't get out of the house much neither purnima nor i so so what we're doing here is we want to pass some of the issues that vex us uh, but without like people shouting at us in all caps so that we have to go quietly into dms and bitch about them so let's start with an invisible show of hands if you as a woman posted a black and white photograph of yourself last week and oh. tagged it challenge accepted and you know you might have felt a little bit weird about it and then later you learned about the origins of the trend mm. it was meant as a visual counter to the black and white pictures of women who are killed in domestic or gender violence in turkey and you know after so soon after the black tuesday squares thing it really made me like take a minute to think like oh my god we fell for it again but 474 women were killed in turkey last year in india uh, some of our latest numbers like in 2017 7000 women were killed in what are broadly called dowry deaths mm-hmm. this does not count infanticide it does not count uh, people who were killed for honor or witchcraft mm-hmm. or all the other things that happened and it got me thinking that it comes down to the same thing who are we to speak for anyone else when we ourselves are constantly struggling with our own issues on a personal level on a country level you know you you start wondering and uh, i'll just quickly say like the united nations defines slacktivism as mm. when people support a cause by performing simple measures but they're not necessarily engaged or devoted to making a change and they also use the words clicktivism or armchair activism so are we armchair activists and is that time over is it done with should we stop So I'm very conflicted because I also try to take my activism into my real life as much as possible. But having said that, if there are enough people doing slacktivism, yeah. I think it kind of turns the tide of thought in a certain way. Maybe I'm being too idealistic. So I was also one of those people who was very disdainful of this black and white photograph cha- uh, challenge Correct. because I was getting really irritated. Uh, not that that people were taking selfies and posting more power to them. I'm totally pro, you know, selfies. Yeah. But I just felt like most people doing it didn't uh, know the roots of why this was happening. So I I I mean I'm explaining all this because I come from that whole uh, you know fairly like angry lady <laughs> space <laughs> most of the time but i i do also feel that when there are enough people who are you know they shift the dialogue if there are enough people saying things in a certain way on a certain platform that people take seriously then i think the conversation has the ability to uh, shift and maybe because that conversation shifts there are yeah. some people caught up in the tides of that shift and sorry lots of mixed metaphors uh, and they and something 
real also shifts inside them you know uh, because i know that that's what happened for me on social media i really did transform as a human being when my politics shifted big time and in large part because people were just you know like shooting their mouths off on the timeline so yeah. i'm kind of conflicted i don't want to scold either side to be honest no i want to scold everybody but that's like that's uh-huh. just me but the thing is you're right on social media we uh, like for okay for me um, i learned about a lot of issues that i knew they existed but i really had no idea how they impacted day to day life even in my privileged bubble and mm. i learned about actual dalit issues mm. i didn't know that this is something that's happening in colleges today or in you know other institutions same thing with the kashmir uh, with several of the kashmir nuances obviously migrant labor the entire focus on it recently for me was very eye opening because you again you know some of these things in a very skimmy sort of way but right. there's no way you i think there's no way you kind of identify with those pains or whatever and kind of social media does two things one is it forces you to look at these things in a very unfiltered way like anyone who's saying anything has a, a totally even platform from a news person to someone who's actually representative to someone who's just having a meltdown about the situation so you have to kind of you, you get like attacked with all this information right and so it can it can really kind of shock you or or change your opinion my only issue was that i did see and i could be wrong but i did mm. see that language changed online like you know how you refer to something or uh being a little more politically correct for want of a better term right now i don't know how much mindsets were changing i could see no evidence of that directly or indirectly um so i'll take an example of uh pronouns right a lot of what i know about using pronouns and the multiplicity of pronouns and why it's important to you know incorporate that into language all of that information and knowledge and awareness came to me through social media correct and uh, now i i'm i'm not it doesn't always come to me naturally but i make an effort you know because i've learned this from so many voices on social media so especially now if i'm expressing myself on social media i have changed my language personally i i really make yeah. a huge effort to do that and um i think it matters because i i may not have completely understood all of the issues that run deeper than just using the right pronoun it's just created a better environment and a better culture out there and my process of learning you know will continue you know to learn about gender spectrum and all of that and so i think that's what happens when you start change your language because the flip side of that is like when everyone you know says oh we can't make jokes anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about how like dali girls are like this and bombay chicks are like that. i mean that's the other side of it which uh, no comments you can, you can take it from there i've been on twitter now for about 11 years it's much more like uh, you know you meet people who you would never have met in your real life you know your circles would never your, your paths would never have crossed present company included and um, you know you make these amazing connections but yeah you know i do feel quite bad that i can't diss delhi girls anymore i'll be honest right now right now i have to dive into cities that i don't know anything about 
to right. make fun of them right and that is like <laughs> if you think about it that's like a metaphor for life because you can make a bunch of jokes when you don't know shit and then when you learn about something you have some empathy for that person and then you spend right. the like next 6 months just cringing at what an uncouth person you were right and mm. that is not the i mean you know it just puts me in a really bad mood i really like <laughs> really enjoyed dissing people in an ignorant manner it's really taken some of the steam out of my humor <laughs> i'm just kidding but don't you have like uh, don't you have like people in your close circle that you can say absolutely horrendous things to like i have like one friend in particular who should remain unnamed mm. uh, because he's i met him through social media and he's a big deal but like he is my friend who i will call to say the absolute worst things that are like you know swimming around in my brain and get it out of yeah. my system that's that's a blessing i uh, once you know so the worst thing i do is i reach babies privately okay so somebody will send me a picture of their kid and you know i'll be like you know this kid is fucking ugly like it's 2 on 10 maybe it'll have a great personality and it's there are not many people who take it i one friendship ended quite dramatically one day and i was like i was joking but i wasn't <laughs> the baby was fucking ugly my own kids have gone through ugly phases you know no shame in that i I'm can i to, be on this group please i want to be part of this group, group. it's just you then because that girl said fuck you i can't talk to you so <laughs> you know and so that's what i mean like you know it's also about context like this is right. it's it's you wouldn't judge me i wouldn't judge you because we have context with each other but if somebody came on some noob type person came on social media who hadn't learned about pronouns oh. what happens with people who are speaking up for other people is that the best way to kind of show how much you know is to scold somebody and i saw this happening with feminism yeah. uh two or three years ago you see it happening now with the trans rights conversation you right. see it with several several things it's just like listen man everyone's woke button doesn't get pressed at the same time you could be 18 years old i won't know you could be 75 years old and just have moved graduated from whatsapp to twitter mm. so what i'm what we are discussing is like you know like actually how do you temper the speaking for someone like how do i say okay today i have zero Ex- real experience with certain kinds of discrimination therefore should i not should i shut up about it should i say what i know should i amplify other people what about people who have never spoken or who yeah. can't speak for themselves for some reason so for example for the longest time if you came from a very religious abrahamic let's say muslim or christian background and you were gay all right mm. your god actually on paper says to hell maybe not on paper but according to hearsay it is like the worst thing you can do to be gay mm. all right mm-hmm. and uh, there were a truckload of people like we all have a very casual relationship with religion or whatever there were imagine if you were religious like you yearned for this god or yearned for this religion and was totally at odds with your sexuality and those people didn't have a voice because they would come online and say something and either they'd get beaten down by the homophobic uh, religious people Mm. or they'd get beaten down by the atheist people who say like just dump your god dude what's wrong with you right and i would really want to like jump in and say something for them at that time and i have very stupid reason for that uh, mm. from the age of 15 to the age of 17 i went to a really shitty college i had short hair had a motorcycle or whatever Ooh. and everyone thought i was gay to the extent that i wasn't sure if i was gay or not because guys mm. didn't like i didn't like guys i thought who suppose <laughs> who knows <laughs> you know it's like 
Sometimes you have a funny dream about prince or something, but you know that's not even he's kind of a like dog. Yeah, that's character. also something. Right? True story. So for the longest time, I used to get out and st- like get into fights and say, you know, like not as a gay person, but you know, I mm. felt like I understood their their whole thing, like their shtick, mm. the way they were treated. But now I wonder whether you know, oh, I should have shut up. Have you ever spoken for somebody else on behalf of someone oh else? God, I'm sure I have, <laughs> and I have conveniently forgotten all examples. uh <laughs> no i'm sure i have more more so in real life than online i think and and i think those crimes have been more egregious but yeah but here's the thing you know i mean i'm sure i've spoken for people over people and i have not shut up and i have not gotten out of the way but but here's the thing like learning how to do that learning how to get out of the way is yeah. such a process you know it's not like you turn on the switch and somebody scolds you enough and then you learn how to do it because yeah. it really has to start with you not bullshitting yourself you know about where where you stand in relation to the other and you definitely not getting pissed off because you think you're you know quote unquote being silenced so there's a lot of work that like goes into not speaking over somebody else and right. i you know like talk about intersectionality because as a woman there are constantly people speaking over me so i have all of that frustration but then because i come from a certain background of privilege i also know that i have spoken over somebody else you know many right. times past and um again due to the work that i do in the library movement that has become more and more obvious and i have had to really work hard on myself to like take a step back you know so it's it is confusing you know, it's it's layers right for example yeah. like you know the thing is that even as you are navigating to what extent you want to you know you want to speak up for someone or whatever yeah there you do have a process where sometimes there might be a marginalized person or a marginalized oh. group that has oh. not for whatever reason found its voice i'm oh. being ex- extremely vague here and maybe it's not found its voice because i have not seen the tweet mm. you know it could be my own blindness mm. but there are there are groups of people who never really they needed advocates they did mm. Mm. and so you raise the issue you bring the issue to the fore then mm. you step back and then you let the actual people who are representative of that issue speak so somewhere down the line you've got to know where you know you have some like good well meaning advo- advocacy going on yeah. which is not bad but if it's not your story to tell then when the you know you've got to know when to shut up and just move behind like you said you know yeah and, and i think so for me because when it comes to conversations around caste and yeah. because i am a you know i have been born into like a savarna hindu background and i kind of represent you know the oppressor community it is definitely more loaded for me and now there are more and more voices uh, that suggest that if you are uh, you know if you do come from that kind of privilege and if you are from an oppressor community then it is incumbent on you to really analyze your own community and all of the like you know screw ups and messy shit rather than trying to highlight you know what is happening with the oppressed communities so like a lot of the work that i now do even like if i'm like bullshitting on twitter to be honest is to really like decode all of the toxicity and the insanity that comes from being part of an oppressor community and how that like you know how the filth that it creates within yeah. our 
communities and i think uh, when you do that you you can you can also you can like be like an amazing ally but like turn the lens towards yourself as well and i and i'm say that because like i said i you know i feel like his i am, my people are historically culpable so that's yeah. a different kind of baggage a, that i carry that, yeah. that's a that's a actually that's quite a good angle that if if you are going to speak for the oppressed but you and you're speaking as an analyzing the as an oppressor then you are completely justified in what you are saying because you are speaking for yourself while also yeah. advocating actually that's quite good purnima i'm like really wise it's just like people <laughs> haven't awarded me and you know with millions of dollars yet but so happen. but you know who has made maybe not millions of dollars but you know i want to talk about one of the worst cases of people who should speak for me and <laughs> you know who is come it is chetan uh, <laughs> bhagat okay in case oh. people have forgotten how offensive he can be bless his soul okay <laughs> I'm going to read a few lines from his very famous piece called "As a Muslim Man." He so he goes on about blah 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 blah, and then this is how he kind of he's coming towards. So he's talking about how you know Muslim people are educated and they walk on two feet and they have the internet and you know it's amazing. Like guys, wow. like whatever you know, beautiful, beautiful man, wonderful. And okay, so now I quote. He says. <clears throat> you know what hurts we do not have a strong modern indian muslim voice if i am an indian muslim who believes in ambition scientific way of thinking entrepreneurship empowerment progress and personal freedoms where do i go india is more liberal and many muslims would prefer to keep it this way can you support us in that no get back yourself hold on to your chairs don't let our religious heads our extreme voices and fundamentalists control our lives for that isn't the essence of india if you can do that we will back you you will truly be our representatives if you promote real progress through empowerment and modernization of our community the indian muslim has has evolved it is time you do too i had this vision of chetan <laughs> bhagat as the pied piper and he's like walking through the street he was so filled with that human love and kindness and like you know being able to put himself in somebody else's chadis so that he's completely missed chunks of history like our big institutions like you know like some of the biggest philanthropists in the country there has been a muslim voice there have been liberal muslims there have been there's enough empowerment and modernization no, no. How can you say like that? <laughs> But listen, while on the subject of our beloved Mr. Bhagat, mm. I would be remiss if I didn't highlight <laughs> a spectacular slice of academic writing I found online. Just because I don't know why, don't judge me. But I googled Chetan Bhagat <laughs> plus sex. Okay, <laughs> so there are these two dudes, PhD scholars, no less, of the yeah. Banaras Hindu University. who have written a thesis which is publicly available on the internet which is titled delineation of erotic scenes in the novels of chetan bhagat this thesis is by the dude of the dudes for the dudes but dude we need a complete episode on this there are there are pie charts and there are infographics okay i mean it's beautiful it's a masterpiece of heterosexual male confusion i mean and it's like staggering in like these banal observations you know specifically about women and if you will allow me i would like to read an excerpt 
I'm really ready for it. Aggressiveness in kissing and having sex is not always the part of boys. Chetan Bhagat's female protagonists show the repressed desire being unleashed and they enjoy it without guilty conscience. <laughs> Vidya from the three mistakes of my life is one of the boldest female protagonists in Chetan Bhagat's novels. Vidya doesn't hesitate to express her own love and longing toward her brother's friend and her tutor Govind. Her eagerness to unleash her desire to experiencing kisses and losing her virginity on her 18th birthday demonstrates the passion of the female with the body and the mind. to take decision of her own self although their intimate correspondence has crept beyond the borders of their private lives into their social relation please google this all of you who are listening <laughs> and gain some knowledge okay so this is that this is also we are veering the interest into the territory of like you know the extremely self confident indian man who will speak Speaking for everyone for- he will speak on behalf of everyone yeah. just keep quiet we have to just be very quiet now and listen to him it's hideous it's just horrible yeah i mean it's like the new it's the chetan bhagat sutra you know like but i'm never going to have sex again after reading this yeah yeah well yeah i i mean you know i have nothing to say <laughs> it's just i'm waiting for this damn pandemic to be over Yeah, so I mean, I think that if they put that in, like, um, if they put that in textbooks where they've taken out all the history and civics bits, then maybe that will be like enough to like control our population. We won't have to worry about any other issues. It's just the most turning off thing I've ever. And it's from the Banaras Hindu University, so you know, like, there's a lot of important stuff happening over there. You know, but Chetan Bhagat is really, you know, he likes to speak on behalf of other people. I think he's also spoken on behalf of women. Yeah, I and agree. I remember a very famous thing where he talked about. how men should support their career uh, career driven wives by just hiring somebody else to make the full cars don't expect her to have a really good bank job and also make the full cars get somebody else to buy make the full cars and that was his solution to women's empowerment and i just thought you know maybe he has a point like how do i know you know i'm not a best selling author or anything you know it's like उट uh they could stop speaking for women and you know because they would get shouted down every time they spoke on behalf of women so i think maybe there is some kind of evolution coming i'm saying that you know the thing is sometimes you do it out of solidarity i don't really believe that i think okay there are there are a few people who are online to be woke to like get chicks or whatever it is whatever they want mm. to get but sometimes you know you really have solidarity with someone even with knowing nothing so there are some basic rules when you want to advocate for somebody else all right so you mm. act when you're trying to actively promote a cause or a principle you kind of you know you kind of look for people who are who are goal oriented and you kind of support them or you amplify them try to like rustle up some commu- community kind of feeling or initiatives so mm. that you bounce off each other like kind of what you were saying about if you're talking about savarna communities like mm. can you can you guilt them up a bit you know can you yeah. make them think a bit 
but what happens is also that you tend to get into confrontations and conflicts with people when you're supporting and then you might actually end up just kind of doing something wrong you know like you thought we've always been in this argument where like you know i've often been in an argument with somebody and then a third party will jump in and they'll just my dad's like that by the way i don't know if i can see i don't know if i edit this later but okay suppose you're having an argument with somebody outside the house who's parked yeah. block the gate and this has actually happened huh. and i'd be like dude you can't park the gate, your car in front of the gate you know and that guy be like but i'm just here for 5 minutes i'd be like yeah but even for 5 minutes is not correct and my dad will walk out in his banyan and shout fuck you what the fuck are you doing for my <laughs> and then it's like uncle don't speak to me like that uncle don't speak to me like that and my father like, i'll fuck you up and all and my dad is 75 he has nine toes and all <laughs> and he was trying to advocate for me he was trying to protect mm. me but what has happened is yeah. this is a whole clusterfuck Yeah so anyway so i i think that was it's what they call informal representation. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good one i'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. And i know that we we're, we're picking like the creme de la creme of representatives today but the words informal representation came up with some conversation about Kim Kardashian. <laughs> and, and you know and how she i mean you know she's who she is and mm. uh, basically she's been talking about the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Uh, for the last couple of years, and mm. weirdly, it's raised awareness about that. So, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was saying, right? Like, if you can create enough of a noise, um, you know, on the interweb or any channels of like conversation, then you can at least you can shift the conversation. I don't know to what extent it really transforms a person, because. like for me solidarity is it's there's some weight to it it's a heavy thing you know yeah. um and i used to think that it's about showing up and standing next to the person who's doing all the fighting like literally showing up and standing next to them or, or the equivalent of that which is posting on social media you know right. uh yeah. but now i i mean i i think showing up is great and it's a beautiful start but uh, for me solidarity has more weight to it and it's it's a lot about you know um education or reeducation where, where you really look at yourself truthfully and you look at your own context and you begin the process of unlearning toxic behaviors and dismantling toxic structures within your own personal space and um the biggest thing that matters like if i were to call myself an ally uh, yeah. in the true sense uh, and this is something i've learned from my work on the ground with free libraries in delhi which is be uncomfortable and risk something real you know um and this is really really tough and not everybody what would, what would make you uncomfortable what do you mean by be um you know that means risking your reputation to risking your financial or your social or your professional capital in some mm. way or the other it would mean really like arguing shit out in your family or amongst circles where your status matters right. and you know um stuff yeah. like like to really leverage something real because until you're not uncomfortable somewhere I don't know if you're really like doing the true work of of being an ally because I also there are a lot of issues where I will just hit retweet and feel really good about myself you know but I know at the end of the day 
I haven't really like done much, you know, but it doesn't mean anything. I know that the people who I have helped to turn in some way are the people who follow my library work because I'm super real about that, you know. So I, I this idea of risking something real is something that matters to me uh, when I talk about solidarity for myself. I mean, you don't have to risk something real when you are not. You're only, it, yeah, so it's only when it's a, an issue that doesn't actively affect you or is yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, because I find myself much braver online. I like make fun of men who wear boxer shorts as normal shorts. But then a friend turned up on holiday like that. And my kids were like, they just looked at me. They didn't even say anything. And I was like, that's it. I've never seen anything again. I'm, I'm a fraud. Not, this podcast is going to be full of great stuff. I don't understand why it won't become number one. It's in going to make people into better human beings after listening to us for just like 35 minutes or yeah, whatever. Or, you know, they will just justify all their evil emotions and, you know, just give them some perspective on that. That's also... Because we are perfect people with no flaws, essentially. Yeah. So, okay. So, just to just to come back to the topic, the trouble with social media, not just social media, to be honest. If you look at, you know... Uh, the way news is printed, the way stories are followed up on, all right? Like there's a culture, cultural lens that has been uh, put on politics. And uh, there's also a politicization of culture. Mm. So what happens is that, you know, when you're dealing with something that is quite black and white in your political framework, I know the personal is political. I know that, okay? Right. But what happens is we have, especially in places like India, we have a very like large spectrum of cultures even from the same neighborhood, same whatever, we all plot very differently culturally. Yeah. And if you're looking at politics and arguing about politics from those from that spectrum, actually what happens is we don't find any place for consensus. We end up kind of arguing against each other on the nitty-gritty. And you can see this definitely happening, things like related to, say, the economy or related mm. to the treatment of women. You know, the we seem to just constantly, like, nitpick when actually we, are, we don't have any kind of focus on this so we, it's impossible to even know who to speak for or to who to have solidarity with because you don't really quite agree with everybody on 100% simultaneously what has happened is even our cultural uh, projections you know whether it's something silly like Karvachot or it's yeah. something really complicated like you know conversions or yeah. you know uh, practicing Okay, yeah, so, so the slightly more challenging aspects of your religion, say, all right, in public. Mm-hmm. What happens is that 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 also has been politicized. So what has happened is everything's very murky. The conversation is based on very thin knowledge. Like, we don't really know where a certain tradition comes from. We don't yeah. know what the actual um, uh, texts on something actually say, whether it's the law yeah. or it's religious text, okay? Then yeah. what happens is, everyone's trying to do this quick meme, quick response, quick like, even quick opinion Smart. pieces, I'm sorry but there are like, yeah. uh, there's a pressure on journalists now to write an, a response piece uh, yeah. within the hour and I think, as a journalist, I think that, I've said no to a couple of That's these insane. things. Like, no, boss, yeah. this is a really complicated issue. You yeah. can't just like respond for attack. And then what happens is, then you get into this, how dare you say that? You don't know, I don't know, he doesn't know. Mm. And then it becomes one full virtual signaling cl- clusterfuck. And somebody like who's just getting into the system or getting into this discussion has gotten zero out of this conversation. Correct. Correct. So then you want to think and say, like, should you just ban people 
from speaking about certain things. Oh no, Janitia, you're like pissing off so many communities today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need ban people. Twitter and a lot of social media has a way of telling people to shut up. Not yeah, all. Yeah, like, so first of all, the Hindus are going to come after you because you said something silly like Karvachot. Something silly like Karvachot. I meant to say that it's not worthy of any great debate. You know what I'm saying? No, but you now the Hindus it... are going to come after you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my God, let me quickly say something nasty about the Christians as well. I'm just saying because it's one of the, I, I think it's a frivolous debate, the Karvachot yeah. debate, you know. Don't engage with it. There are more important things. Don't engage with frivolous debate. That's what I mean. I totally respect people who want to do whatever it is they want to do. Go for it. As long as it's not hurting anybody else. Coming back to that thing, it's like you think like, do I know enough? Uh, and we don't have enough time to form an opinion either, right? Because like you get swept away on this wave of outrage. Like if I wake up at a certain time of the day and yeah. I I go on to social media, by that time, you know, the wave is already in, in motion. Yeah. And I, I don't have enough time to kind of uh, form my own opinions and it's already like, you know, kind of lifting me and taking me with the current. Right. And I, it takes a like, I mean... I think when it's like little stupid little things, it's fine. But I've been kind of addicted to this Japanese reality show, Terrace House. You know, it's this very, very Japanese. <laughs> so it's almost like nothing is happening, but then a lot happens. And there was this like really delightful person on it who received so much uh, bullying, who was, you know, the target of so much cyber bullying because of some stupid nonsense she did on one episode. And she killed herself. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I mean, they've like shut down the show, not just because of COVID, but they've also shut down the show right now because of because this happened. And I'm not saying that, you know, maybe she was already troubled and had like, you know, other other issues. But the, the fact that this can happen, that that someone can end their life because the trigger was some nonsense reactionary stuff that happened online is it's it's very serious and I think it just makes us more cruel because it's so easy and it makes us stupider because to to form an intelligent opinion about anything takes time it takes effort and you have to have the education yeah yeah yeah, like you know span of attention because nothing is ever as simple as it looks right so you can't call Sushant Singh Rajput uh, thing that's going on and people are monetizing his death you know and so so it's like, horrific what I was thinking when you were saying that you know there are editors or publications that are asking people to react within hours of something happening is that it being reactionary is so extremely financially rewarding also right now because right. there are people on YouTube there is this one fuck bag um, whose sole purpose in life is that he will sit in front of the camera in his you know, living room and just talk shit about the Sushant Singh Rajput, you know, about his death. Yeah. And he's got so many subscribers and, you know, you know, beyond a point, if you get X number of views, you can monetize, you know, you get, you make money off of this stuff. Right. Right. So being reactionary and being incendiary and, you know, like it, it's, it's rewarding. And I think the price we pay overall as, you know, at an individual level and definitely at a community level is, we pay a really heavy, heavy price because even if we don't go to the extent of having an emotional breakdown, um, we do definitely get stupider, you know, because we don't oh, stop I, how we feel and how we think about something, and, you know. 
and just like you can positively influence somebody's learning all right suppose you have like this hardcore right wing type person who mm. likes you and likes what you say and likes the way you say it and over time they you know they're more open to your ideas and more open to having a conversation with you and you with them all right mm. that's one thing what i'm beginning to find is that a lot of the people who who are presenting as as showing solidarity with whoever say for example in this sushant singh rajput thing they are you know solidarity with the outsider solidarity with the man who is like suffering from the toxic patriarchy himself solidarity mm. with poor little lost boy solidarity with the mental health thing actually what is that, what is started happening and it's one of the reasons i got to it temporarily is that it started actually radicalizing me firstly i was just like okay if you read 10 shit takes about mental health and suicide all right the right. first one you're like okay this is not exactly i don't believe this second one is like oh wow two people think this way by the time it's the fifth or sixth take you actually don't know you're kind of reevaluating what you've learned and i'm 46 years old i'm just saying that i've had lived quite a colorful life all right and i do have certain opinions that have not been formed overnight and definitely on not on social media right when you start finding those belief systems being shaken i'm not saying that they're all good or bad but i do find that the frivolous way in which they are attacked because like i said like everybody has the same amount of noise to make whether it's yeah. you know it's the atlantic or it's quint or it's op india or it's some neighborhood auntie who's just not gone to work today so she's got extra mm. time so mm. i think that's quite scary because you just think of it in terms of like people getting educated but what about people who are getting active it is what you're saying people becoming stupider and then being radicalized against certain it's kind dangerous of- yeah 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 mm-hmm. i mean and and i think it's not you know it's so easy especially nowadays to think that it only happens in a certain neck of the words like you know only like the right wing troll army is full of like these brainwashed brain dead uh, bots but i know that i have to really fight it and there are days where i have to completely disconnect from twitter because the need to like you know jump in is so strong because yeah, it's overwhelming validation yeah. right yeah you yeah. and especially now in covid where we're all sitting at home and we don't have social interaction if you can just say make one stupid joke you know mocking somebody in a cruel way you're going to get so much attention oh, right yeah. so you know your tribe will like retweet you 25000 times or whatever but um there's this like amazing quote which i i mean it was an instagram story actually if okay. i can um, read that out um it's it's by this incredibly fantastically gifted um he's a rap artist and he's also like an intellectual and an activist his name is sumit semos Oh. and um he i found this on instagram and and he says it's okay if you don't express your political opinions about the places events ideology or identity you don't know this is not a race to prove who knows how much and who expresses how much so much of it these days comes out of peer pressure and not with a sustainable engagement over a period of time solidarity against injustice and political expertise are not the same meme culture and overflowing of information analyzed in various pages gives an overview of things but in depth understanding is a process which takes so much time we somewhere are failing to cultivate it as as students and youth who engage in these topics i would say that this absolutely applies to 
all yeah. all of us you know if i think if you read that out in the beginning we wouldn't have had to have this conversation only yeah no podcast <laughs> no but it's true and i'm glad i would love for i would love for this sort of kind of attitude to kind of you know for us to imbibe it and for everyone to take it on as some sort of like a guiding kind of principle you know when this whole trans rights thing was going on and this mm. whole jk rowling thing and everything i spoke to this one guy who was like a gay activist and he you know we were discussing it and he was saying the best thing to do in a time like this is to just listen to what the trans people are saying why mm. are we all discussing it and my the first thing that shot out of my mouth was like yeah but where are they and i realized it was that we hadn't given them a chance mm. to even talk because we were so busy trying to fight with each other you know or also there are always always voices from all kinds of communities but we are not going and looking in the you know sometimes they're like hidden in plain sight as in they're they're all over the timeline but somehow we're not zeroing in on them because of our own inability to you know hear certain voices i feel that a lot like i i would feel like you know but where are the people saying x y z you know as chetan bhagat says where is the enlightened intellectual muslim <laughs> and they're like everywhere like like you know leave your house and they, i mean them so i feel that way about every everybody who whom we feel we are ignorant about uh, there's something in us also which has to shift you know because right. there are voices everywhere they really are and one of the great delights of social media and the fact one of the reasons why i love social media is that if i go looking i really don't have to try that hard you know it's so easy with hashtags and searches and all that i can find the voices and then with one simple click of the button i can amplify those voices yes. so it's you You're know right. it's also been easier to yeah. really f- see find those voices and then make room and amplify i mean if i had to put a positive spin on everything we've spoken about today i would just want to leave it at that to say that you know it's also an amazing opportunity like i've never had it in my whole life and maybe like in history we've never seen it so easy to amplify Absolutely. marginalized voices yeah and then just to resist the temptation to mansplain their points mm-hmm. of view so like i mean yeah so i think that i recently in the last few years have really honed my like my area of expertise is housewives from bandra so you know if you come and tell me anything about that steps on my territory i'll shout you down but otherwise <laughs> i'm willing to listen to everybody about everything you know <laughs> but i'm sure i'm failing also what was your area of expertise be mine oh so for the longest time it was just like being a fat girl me <laughs> too <laughs> because <laughs> you know i mean and then of course for the longest time it was like through my 20s it was about being the only woman in any professional space that i worked in mm. you know which was television at that time uh, yeah. documentaries so that was that was my area of expertise you know mm. but yeah now now i just try to like now i'm in a space where i need to learn yeah so things have changed what about you Yeah no i mean i was just being jokey earlier i find i find that the older i get the less sure i am about everything and i don't think that's a bad thing no i not. love coming out in the open and saying whoopsie <laughs> more people i wish more people would do that i think it's very easy to do it i find it i find it extremely easy to say listen dudes i have 
totally screwed up here. This happened with the black and white challenge thing. I didn't post a picture of myself. Mm. I posted a picture, a bunch of pictures of women who I adore, who all ended up looking really hot in black and white. So it looked like I was flexing about how hot my crew is, mm-hmm. um, which my might have been. Who knows? But then when I saw that, and then I saw like I restarted this thing with the Turkey numbers and the India numbers and everything, and I realized that I always end up feeling a bit like I, social media is not enough, and. I'm not doing anything in the real world. I think everybody who is online and spends a large chunk of their time uh, online, you know, social media has this spectacular quality of making everyone feel inadequate. I mean, there's no amount of wokeness you can have that will not have someone just the next day say, "I'm sorry, but you are, you know, fucking bigoted about X, Y, Z." You're just never going to be hundred percent woke about everything that exists. That's why I feel like, like, there's a lot of virtue in just shutting up and staying in your, you know, zone. You know, in your lane. Yeah. yeah. Stay in your lane. You know, because then you can just make fun of other people when they fuck up, and that's so much more. That's so much better. Like, I mean, would we be enjoying <laughs> Chetan Bhagat's genius if he did not feel confident enough to be a jackass? I know. Every time, every time I think about Chetan Bhagat, you know, I did, I did some, I did something with uh, some literature festival once, and he was in the same green room as I was, <laughs> and you know, he was drinking white bread and mayo sandwiches straight from the plate i've never Aww. seen anyone eat so many sandwiches so quickly and i remember thinking this poor guy yeah. <laughs> there's something wrong with him you know it's like you can't eat so much maida and have like proper thoughts and all of that you know <laughs> but, but he's I, so rich i want to be rich like him yeah so the next in our next episode okay. we will speak as chetan bhagat's white bread sandwiches <laughs> Oh my God! Sign me up. <laughs> no, I don't know. Acha, Where's like, Chetan Bhagat? Eight me. No, no, no. That is getting edited out, by the way, Purnima. <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> I mean, if, if you don't keep that in, I will like tear the contract up. Okay. <laughs> the contract. Okay, But so now we're in this town again. I think we both agree that uh, you know this whole thing of just like shooting from your hip now. That time is over. Uh, whether you're doing it for a good cause or whatever it is, you know where you're coming from. You need to know where everybody else is coming from, and that's way more difficult than just saying those words. But yeah. just retweet and amplify, and really just speak mostly for yourself and see what can be fixed within your own uh, framework, right? Before you start to speak for others. So basically, the only way to wrap up this podcast is to. Have all of our listeners know that they're complete jackasses. <laughs> Everybody listening is a complete jackass. Okay, so that's you and me. <laughs> I said everybody. So yeah. yeah, you and yeah. me. Guilty as guilty as charged. We are both jackasses. I yes. am stopping this recording. <laughs> Bye. Thursday Bitches is a fortnightly podcast presented and produced by Junisia Alves and Purnima Rao. Podcasting advice and support from the good people of Audiomatic. All views expressed are personal, very personal.